The CFOs that get it, get it. The CFOs that don't, don't. Let's talk about the CFO, the Chief Financial Officer. There are two kinds of CFOs. One who's struggling to keep up, spreadsheets everywhere, manual processes. It takes weeks to close the books. The other kind is on top of their game. Automated reports, inventory, commerce, and HR flow into the financial model seamlessly. NetSuite is everything you need to grow all in one place. That's why NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system used by over 28,000 growing businesses. 93% of businesses increased their visibility and control after upgrading to NetSuite. Head to netsuite.com slash c-suite for a special one-of-a-kind financing offer. That's netsuite.com slash c-suite. netsuite.com slash c-suite. This is Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Strategies to give your business the inside track. And now, here's your host, Joel Block. Getting media is always a priority for business people, whether they're entrepreneurial people, corporate people. Everybody wants media. Very few people end up doing a good job with the media that they get. The trick is to leverage that media. And people ask, how do I become buzzworthy? How do I leverage that media? Well, we have one of the nation's experts, Kate Delaney. Welcome to the show. Joel, thanks so much for having me on. And it's the perfect time to talk about leveraging media and getting that coverage to build your authority and, and spread your wings and have that many more people that could possibly do business with you. You know, uh, so there's a couple, just the opening, there's a couple things. One is getting media. It's great to get it, hard to get it, you know, quality media. But once you get it, you got to make it worth something. Because the truth is that you don't have an interview with the media and then your phones light up on fire and, and, and start starts happening, right? Stuff doesn't happen that way. So uh, what actually happens? What, you know, there's first, let's break it into, you got to get the media, then you got to do something with the media because the media doesn't do something all by itself, contrary to popular belief. Yeah. And one of the easiest ways to try to get media on your own, if you're not going to go through a publicist, because that's a whole uh, different can of worms to talk about how to find a publicist, who's good, that kind of thing, because then they're pitching for you. But if you're doing it yourself, the key, I think one of the easiest things to do, one of the key things to do is pay attention to what's happening in the business world. Obviously, every day, know what's going on, know what's affecting people's lives, know your lane really well, your competition, et cetera, all of that. So that whatever's breaking that's newsworthy, you can offer yourself up as an expert because you understand that. You're the investment banker. Uh, you're the person on the front line. You have your own company. You have the expertise in that. And you can add to a television story. You can add to a newspaper story. You can add to a podcast that's relevant. You can add to radio shows. You can add to uh, anything that's out there, any vehicle that's out there where somebody who has a pretty decent name and a following would probably be interested in you if you pitch it correctly. And how you do that is really pay attention to what is sexy, hot, and happening in the world. Because if you know, it's called newsjacking. 
right? That term became famous. David Merriman made it famous. Yeah. But we were doing it a long time before that. It was, we called it low-hanging fruit because <laughs> people in the media are busy more than ever. They're usually doubling up on some of what they're doing. And if you've got something that you can add, bingo, there's your television FaceTime. There's your morning show, which morning shows get the highest rating television-wise. Radio shows all over the dial because those radio shows live on and on and on as they're podcasted and people can go and listen to them at any time. It's like gold when you get that. You know, uh, it always surprised me how much these journalists need the assistance of people like us. Uh, you know, from all my years when, uh, you know, I had sold my company to the LA Times and when that happened, uh, I, I had spent a lot of years with the journalists there and, you know, really understanding how that all worked. And it always surprises me that you've got these journalists that are writing uh, business stories, uh, you know, I don't know, economic stories, but they're not trained in those areas. So they're really, they're, they're really dependent on people coming to them with information because they don't have any expertise in, in these areas most of the time. A lot of times they're, they're just, they're just beat people. They're just, they're just beat writers that, uh, you know, go out there and do whatever the beat's about. Absolutely. You nailed it. So you provide that expertise and it gives you that visibility that gets you out there where more people see you. Hey, maybe they'll use your services. Maybe they're curious about you. And what really is cool when it happens, you develop a relationship with that reporter, that anchor, that talk show host, that podcaster that has really big reach, whatever it is, the person doing an influential blog, and if you can develop that relationship, then you're going to become the go-to person. You're going to go to that, that person is going to go to you because they like you. They know that you've got good stuff, you're relevant, and you're relatable. So you're going to be the person they go to first whenever anything breaks that's in your lane. And that's the best thing possible. And I know plenty of examples of that. And e even for me, I have that in a 20-year career because I'm just celebrating 20 years there's people that I've gone to from the time I was a, a young reporter, whether it was sports related, business related, or politics, for example, and they were smart. They developed that relationship with me. They were good, whether we were on TV together or because I've done all the, the traditional media and now new media. And they're, they're in my virtual Rolodex. Do you like that? Virtual Rolodex. They come right to mind. Well, they're, they're, they're on your... They're on your short list. I mean, really, yeah. they're, they're, you have a short list of people that you call for help. And, and, and that, that's an attitude that people on the other side of the media need to develop, is that we're there to help you be a resource or a tool. Uh, we're not pitching. We're not begging. We're not you know, instructing. We're not yelling. We need to be a tool or a resource. And the better resource you are, uh, the, the more likely you are to get on the short list. Absolutely. And that's the key. Getting on the short list is that's where you want to be. You don't want to be the person that pitches and you don't even know what the show's about or what the uh, morning show covers or what the producers are looking for or what an editor's looking for or, or any of that. And that happens a lot. I, I'll just give you an example. For me, I get, and this is not an exaggeration, I get about 300 emails probably Monday through Friday. 
and people are pitching me all kinds of things, books and whatever, but they don't know even where they're pitching to. They just know that I have a show and actually I have two shows and I have a, a column, but they pitch me and it's not relevant to what I'm doing and they're not even aware of that because they don't realize what I do. And they probably are sending that to uh, 50 different people. Absolutely. So that, you, you know, and, and so basically they're just throwing a bunch of crap at the wall, hoping that something sticks. Yeah. And that's where you don't want to blast people. You're not trying to blast that out because by doing that, that's where you get caught and you're not going to get picked up by someone. And let me tell you, in the media, we have long memories. We have short lists, but long memories. So yeah. if you become that person, you get on the bad list because you're annoying or you're constantly harassing them and, and you're not relevant. They're not, they, in some newsrooms, they still even have um, don't call this person files, which is really? crazy. You mm. don't want to be in the, on that do not call list. <laughs> well, you don't want to be on that short list or, or long list, whichever that is. You know, that's, wow. You know, uh, one of the things that I remember from my time in the pay in newspaper industry, I always thought it was really a high quality industry. I mean, it's very sad what's happened in that industry because the truth is it's a really high quality uh, industry. Uh, it's not fake news. I get where fake news comes from, you know, because most of what we consume is not really news. It parades as news. But when the president and other people talk about fake news, they're not talking about the networks and the newspapers. They're talking about all the talk shows that parade around like they're news. And, you know, the, the, the traditional media are still looking for really high quality factual material. Uh, you know, they're not looking for opinion and discussion and contemplation like what we're doing right now. I mean, that's not news. That's discussion. Absolutely. And it's good to know the difference in, in what someone's looking for. So, for example, the, some, some that we already mentioned, Forbes has a huge reach. Their magazine still reaches a lot of people, but also Forbes, you know, dot com. And when somebody reaches you there, that's what they want. Usually they're not looking for discussion. Now, there, there are column style pieces, and then that's flushed out a little bit differently. But you're right. It's the quotes. It's the um, you specifically talking about whatever it is that's making news that's relatable, that's a fact. It's who, what, where, when, or why. And it's not all the other stuff mixed in. But it goes back to the same thing that you said uh, before, and that is uh, you have to know what the person wants. You have to know something about them. Uh, you know, if you're a, any, a salesperson of any kind, you have to know what the needs of the, bar, the buyer is, or you're going to be completely ineffective. And this isn't any different, is it? No, it's no different. The, the more that you know, the more relatable that you can, can be and you understand. And it's easy to do. I mean, look, if you want to get on a popular morning show wherever you live, um, all you have to do is, guess what, take your DVR, DVR it for a while and watch and see who the personalities are and what they're covering. They'll tell you. It's so easy. And then if you look at the newspaper, which there still are newspapers that are relevant, you pick those out and you start to follow a columnist, which is smart to do because you realize what they have an appetite for. Therefore, when you reach out to them blindly, it's much more interesting and your subject line is narrow and focused and will get opened. Well, listen, and, and to get through the noise and the clutter in this environment is, uh, is hard. So if, if it takes research, it takes some effort, uh, you know, clear enough. So, well, listen, um, this discussion is not really about the front end of getting the media, although we just did, you know, which, is, which is awesome. But really what I want to really talk to you about 
is once you get that interview, once you get yourself some media, which is not that easy to do, but once you do it, uh, just because you do it doesn't mean your life's going to change overnight. I mean, some people think it's going to, but but it doesn't. So what happens next? I mean, what what if you don't do anything with the media that you get and you just think that they're going to do all of it, what's probably going to happen? It's going to go into the black hole and people might remember you were on a show. They might remember that you were quoted. They might remember something that you sort of said, but they'll forget about it and you're not leveraging it. You're, you're wasting that opportunity because it still has legs. So the first thing you want to do, Joel, is if you're quoted, you want to pump that out everywhere. You want to, you want to use that, whether it's, through a media, uh, you know, a social media platform like Twitter or Instagram. On Instagram, you could easily do a video and say, oh, I was excited. I talked to so-and-so today about Brexit and the relevance of what's happening in the UK and with the European Union to our monetary system here in the United States, whatever it is. And should people be concerned about that? And then, boof, here's what I said. And then, you, you know, there's the quote right there. There's so many clever ways that you can leverage that. If you go on Twitter, you can just simply link the, the article. Let's say it's an article or link the television spot or link the radio spot and make sure you say something clever about why do I want to hear this and then see what, which they show you the statistics, see how many people are opening it. And then the other thing you want to do is thank the reporter. Hey, thanks to Joel Block, we had a fascinating discussion about visibility and how to really grow your authority when you're already very relevant as a business person. How do you get even bigger? How do you become the visible CEO, whatever it is? And so that's what I would say. Here, listen to what we talked about. These are great tips for you in trying to pursue that. So there's really, there's, there's, it sounds like there's two sides. If you don't do anything, then, you know, whatever, maybe a handful of people read the piece, maybe they don't, maybe they listen, maybe they don't. But I've always heard that you want to circulate this to your own client base because it reinforces you as an expert. It's, it's always good to touch people, give them more new, interesting, different things, uh, which is very valuable. And, and there is going to be a possibility by putting it out on Twitter, LinkedIn, and some other social media that new people are going to be, uh, are going to find out about you or be attracted to you in some capacity. And, and so there's really, there's two different outcomes that could take place, right? I mean, that's what, what it always seems like to me. No, absolutely. If depending on whatever your space is, you can easily send an email to any of your clients and, and reach out and touch them that way. That certainly doesn't hurt you. The other thing you can do is have a landing spot, especially if you start to get a bunch of media, right there on your website, if there's a way to put it, hey, here's the latest, whatever. Uh, I have that, for example, but lots of people in the business world do the same thing where they list their appearances and you can go and click on it. And usually I'm fascinated by this, but the open rate is high because that's your spot. So somebody looks you up, they find you, they find out more about you, even your own clients. And they're like, oh, this is neat. And they go and they look at it and there it lives. So it's got a place to live and breathe and exist long after you've done it. Well, that's, that's the thing, that's the leverage part, is if you don't do something with it, it dies an hour after it airs. Absolutely. You know, people listen to it, they read it, they consume it, they throw it away and it's gone. If you don't circulate it over and over again, uh, then it's going to have a very short shelf life. So basically what you're talking about, the leverage is really about extending the shelf life 
uh, from uh, from an hour to forever potentially. Absolutely, and there I and there's really three ways. There's earned, owned, and rented media. So if you what if somebody interviews you and then you've got a copy of it and you put it on Facebook or Instagram or LinkedIn, that's fabulous. In fact, uh, honestly, I'm very good at at doing that when I'm on CNN or MSNBC and it's actually gotten me some business. It took time, but I got business from it. So that, you know, ultimately that was great. But um, what you have to do, what you have to do is take it and try to recirculate it however you can. And how you recirculate it is so, is so vital. And as I was mentioning, in case you missed it, you know, LinkedIn, for me, I started to build up that muscle. I was on CNN, CNN or MSNBC. I was quoted in the Wall Street Journal, and I started to put that out there more. And I ended up getting business as a result of that. So I know it, would, it works for people. But here's the thing. That's a rented space. I own the website. So when you take to your point of getting it out to your people, when you do something, make sure you leverage it through your space because you own that space. So if LinkedIn or someplace else was going to take it down, you'd be stuck, but you wouldn't be stuck the other way. Yeah. So you want to make sure you leverage it on your own platform, not just the other platforms because they're rented space. Well, that's one of the things people really uh, fail to pay attention to a lot of people is that uh, you really need to pull your contacts off of Facebook, off of LinkedIn and bring them into your own environment. Otherwise, you potentially are at the at the whim of these companies. You know, LinkedIn doesn't let you download the email addresses anymore of the people who are in your database. They'll let you have their names. They'll let you have the email address. And, and that's because they have a new attitude. They say, well, you don't really own the email address. People don't really give you permission to contact them. And that may or may not be true, but the, you know, maybe it's just that LinkedIn wants to have more control of their environment. And so whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But the bottom line is, if you didn't get those email addresses before, you can't get them anymore. Done. And so yeah. you want to be very careful uh, to get out of that rented environment and get them into an environment that you control, right? That's what you're saying. Yeah, get into your own space. For example, let's say you wanted to do video and you wanted to do a video and say, hey, look at the article. I've posted it below or, you know, after I've done this, um, talking to you about X, Y, Z. And when you do the video, if it's what they call native video, so you do it straight to LinkedIn, they like that. And the algorithm is good. It reaches more people. If you put it on another platform and then post it on LinkedIn, they have a completely different algorithm and right. it doesn't do as well. And so I know a lot of people know that, but that's something to be cautious about. You know, I, I wouldn't make the assumption that a lot of people know this. Uh, the truth is that the computer can tell whether you're putting a link or whether you upload the video directly. And I'm not quite sure why it matters so much, but uh, LinkedIn doesn't want to promote other people's stuff. They want to promote their stuff and they want you to be inside their ecosystem. And so if you upload the video to them directly, uh, they're going to show it to more people than if you put a link to an outside uh, facility. Yeah. If you do, for example, a YouTube video, it's not, not going to get the um, leverage for you that a direct hit on a, onto LinkedIn will get you. These companies, you know, LinkedIn and Google and Microsoft, they're very competitive and they don't want to send uh, customers to each other. 
Now, one of the problems with YouTube, for example, is that when you're done watching a YouTube video, then all these other videos pop up that are not related to whatever it was that you just gave them. And the same thing is true. So when, when LinkedIn sends you to YouTube and then another video pops up, then you're more attracted to whatever you, you lose your attention on LinkedIn. And these companies are really clear that they want to keep your attention and your focus. And we need to be better at attention and focus because these companies really do understand this problem. And it's a situation that we need to get our arms around too. So what are some other ways that we can uh, create more attention, more focus, more shelf life uh, for our media? Yeah, the, um, besides leveraging it on social media and through your own tribe, so to speak, the people who like you, know you, do business with you, um, where can you get more people to pay attention to you outside of those areas? Another thing that you can do is to leverage that coverage to get other media to pay attention to you. So for example, if you're quoted a lot and you have, you're on the short list for me or for some other media person, then take what we've done and put that, include that out to other people, other media people that you'd like to get to know. Hey, by the way, I've been um, quoted in Pete's column a bunch for the Wall Street Journal. I really like your work. If you're ever looking for somebody to talk about investments and what scalability really is these days or whatever it might be, then you, you build yourself an even bigger um, space and more visibility, etc., because of the credibility you already have because media people are torn in a lot of directions. And when they see that you have the credibility already and they can see what you've done on a television show, a radio show, or a quote, they'll, they'll use you. And that's big. Building the media on the media's back. Well, listen, I, I call that parlay. And you have to parlay one success into another success and another success. So in a certain way, uh, even starting small, once you have one or two little things, you can say, listen, I was on this uh, thing here and you can see what it is. And at least now you have something to show. The first one is the hard one. And, and that's the one that you really got to focus on. You got to get that first one. Yeah, the first one is the hardest. I agree with you. But once you get in the door and you do the right things, here's another little simple thing you could do. And it's, it seems to some people, it's, it seems old school, but it's not old school because um, the media members hardly, let's say you get any more regular physical mail. But when you send a thank you note, like, hey, really enjoyed being on your show. That was terrific. You ever need me again? Give me a call. Thanks. Boom. Honestly, they remember that because nobody sends notes. Nobody sends a note. They send an email. But if you just send on your letterhead, it doesn't matter. Just pop it in the mail and, and you'll get asked back more, I guarantee it. I've talked to so many media people about that. And that silly letter thing is the thing that gets people, uh, makes them remember them. I'll tell you an interesting thing. Uh, a lot of media personalities have Instagram accounts, they have Facebook accounts. I think Instagram is a very cool platform for this because a lot of them will put a picture of themselves doing something. And then you can write them a little, a little something in the comment and they'll, they'll read it. I mean, they, they look at their stuff. I mean, that stuff seems to matter more to them than mail or whatever. And uh, if there's some concept you want to talk about, there's some comment you want to make, you can send it to them, either uh, direct uh, message them or you can put a comment in an existing thing. There's a lot of ways to get people's attention that did not exist 20 years ago. I agree. And besides Instagram, that's a great thing to do on Twitter. Look at who the people are that are trending and start to follow them. People in the media start to look about, look at what they're writing about. And like you said, if they're 
putting something funny out or they're huge baseball fans or they just went to Guatemala and you happen to have gone to Guatemala and you recognize what they were drinking or what they were doing, that also goes a long way because then you're building them and they'll start to follow you. And it just is that circle leverage that goes round and round. Yeah, listen, it isn't any different than, uh, than anything else in human relationships. There's, it's about bonding. People do business with people they like, they trust, that uh, they want to they be friends with. And, uh, you know, if you're a performer, if you can actually make them look good, then, then they want to they do stuff with you. And that's just really the way life works. Yeah, I agree. And, and people want to talk about themselves. So if you, if you know what it is, you know what their secret sauce is that's only going to help you rather than, than hurt you, for sure. And then, of course, be good. When you're, when you're on a television set or when you're quoted, make sure, I tell people this all the time, uh, just make sure you're memorable. Say something clever. Think of a way to invert what you're saying. So... So that, listen, that's a, that's a gift that some people have and other people do not have. Uh, you know, you were talking about how to be buzzworthy, which is really kind of the same thing as, as you know, be memorable. Um, how do you do that? I mean, what, is, what does it look like when somebody's memorable? Some people just have a gift and they just say things that are funny or silly or, uh, you know, kind of they put words in an order that's different than normal. What are things that people can do? that make them buzzworthy or memorable or otherwise? Well, I think you just said it. So some people do have the gift for it and how you can, what I call, invert things. If you know you're going to be on a show, which you would know, usually it doesn't happen. You have at least 20 minutes or so to prepare for it, whatever at it least, might be. Yeah. Yeah, sometimes it is quick, but usually you have a little bit of time. So you know what you're going to talk about. Think about how you would describe it, right? Especially if we're talking about business. Don't think in dry terms. Think in different terms. Like, uh, in other words, whatever, um, you know, use metaphors and try to compare one thing to another that might be really kind of eye-catching, right? Like if you say something like, um, you know, think of, imagine you had a stadium full of Dodger fans <laughs> and, and <laughs> suddenly, suddenly they all started booing because who would walk to the mound? And that was Teresa May. Teresa May was surrounded by Dodger fans and she was wearing the wrong hat. <laughs> Picture that and what that would feel like. And now in my head, I'm thinking, Oh my gosh, that's brutal. I'd be like scarlet red if I were the prime minister with they're just pounding her. I'm giving you the example of, okay, wow, I'm going to remember what you said. You know, you know I'll tell you, I, there's a couple of things that I do. Uh, number one, uh, avoid jargon. Always uh, avoid jargon. Number two, uh, you want to speak to adults like they're sixth graders. Now, I'm not talking about talk down to them. But use language that a sixth grader could understand. If you're a somewhat technical person, business, science, what I mean, you can explain things in a way that other people can understand. I love your metaphor thing. Absolutely, you got to use metaphors. And the art of storytelling is, is a specialty. I mean, that, that's a gift. I mean, you know, and, and, and one last one, the most powerful words in the English language, in my experience, are nouns. Always okay. use nouns because nouns, are words that people can get a picture of in their mind's eye. I mean, the, I mean when, when I speak to audiences and when I speak to groups, keynote or otherwise, these are the things that I think about is, you know, I use a lot of nouns because nouns are not complicated. Uh, we all know what they are. They're 
things that you just go around wherever, you know, a stadium full of people. That's, that's like a thing you can see a picture of in your mind. It's a great example. I love that. And you know, who couldn't, who couldn't imagine whether whatever team you like, but you know, who couldn't imagine a stadium full of people, how loud it is. And, and you kind of explain it, you know, with all the senses, how, how loud and you know, what it smells like and you know, what it feels like to be there and the excitement and the exhilaration and, you know, it goes on and on. But that's, those are some things that, that come to mind for me that I do. Uh, you know, I don't know. Maybe you have some other ones. Yeah, and I think you're right. Using nouns is good. Painting the picture, telling the story, just break it down simply. And you saying sixth grader, you're right. You're not talking down. You're you're talking like a human, and you're not using the jargon because the jargon gets lost and isn't is not memorable. Even if people understand the jargon, they get it. But you know, here's a great thing. Watch, uh, for example, if you look at CNBC, you look at Fox Business, if you look at, um, oh, what's the show? The Five. I always watch The Five, the, the show where they've got the five people and they're, they've got great interviews. And sometimes they have, you know, Jamie Dimon from Chase or whoever they have on. And I always think he's so smart. He gets it. They get it because they're just spitballing, what I call spitballing back and forth. It's exciting. All this business is going on back and forth. And you get it. I mean, they know the jargon. They all went to Harvard or Princeton or wherever, and they're, they're the CEO of the company, but it's more exciting. It's, it's more street. It's what I call street, and I think it reaches you, and you know, um, business people have a funny bone, too, and they, they like to laugh. They like to hear the, the stories, et cetera, and if you've got a good story also related to whatever it is you're talking about, throw that story out. You know, it was like the time that I did X, Y, Z, and then I slipped on a banana peel when I was walking up to the stage, whatever it is. Can you imagine, you know, boom, whatever it is that makes you human and relatable will make it stick because you want that sticky content. Yeah. You know, jargon is really a big problem. It's kind of a way for um, maybe less experienced people to kind of act like they're more experienced. My experience is the most experienced, the most sophisticated people, they don't, uh, they don't talk that way. They speak in, in language that uh, ordinary people can understand, ordinary people respect it. They, in fact, they like it. They, I, I think that jargon is terribly off-putting. So you want to be very careful not to be off-putting to your audience, uh, which is a big problem. And so in terms of buzzworthy, uh, that would be anti-buzzworthy. Absolutely. And you're right. I mean, I know you've interviewed lots of CEOs, you know, lots of people that run companies, so do I, and they don't talk that way at all. And yes, we understand what it means. We understand if we had a spreadsheet and what we're looking for and what the acronyms are, etc. But that just doesn't fly well. And it doesn't make you human or memorable. Yeah, interesting. So, so uh, let's say you're able to pluck out little pieces of an interview. And, and it's a little harder to do on the radio because the radio just comes and goes. It, it doesn't, it, it's not always easy to get clippings from a radio show. But let's say that you, uh, that you have a really good little piece. You find a tweetable moment. There's some little, little piece that you find to be really good. What do you recommend doing with it? Like, like put it on Instagram, you turn it into a meme. I mean, what, what do you do with those things? Well, I think you just said it. You can turn it, if it's really clever, turn it into all of those things and you can spread it out every couple of weeks. So you, you could uh, tweet it and you could add something to it. You could 
let's say it's a quote and there's something visual you said in the quote, you put that behind it, whatever it is. Um, so for example, I'll give you an example. I was quoted as saying, you know, my book is called Deal Your Own Destiny. I said, if you want to deal your own destiny, you need to give some people the boot. It's a new year. And I had a picture of a giant boot. I was in um, California. I was in Los Angeles. And there was um, a boot company and it was a huge boot, like right over my head, like it was going to stamp me down. And that got thousands of hits, thousands. And how silly, but I just saw it. and I thought, oh, this I'm going to use this somewhere. So collect some of those interesting um, opportunities, photos that maybe you can use with some quote you're not even thinking about. And if you put, pull that together, that will be shared and, and it's memorable, et cetera. And, and same thing with Instagram. You can take a piece of video, a video that matches what you said and you can put that together or you can just put it out there, however it works and get people, those people that you're gathering to, to get more media interested in you, put them on there at so-and-so, find out who they are. You know, one of the things that happened uh, for me, uh, I was doing a seminar and there's a guy sitting in the seminar room and uh, about a week after the seminar, some number of days afterward, he sends me this um, email and he says, I took a lot of notes and these were all the little Joelisms the little funny things that I heard you say. And, and there were like 25 of them, things I don't even realize, I took for granted, I didn't even realize I was saying these things. And, and from that point on, every time I would say a funny little two or three liner, some little thing, whatever it was, I would, I would add it to uh, an Ever, a, a notebook in Evernote, and I would just keep my little Joelisms. And eventually I had about 80 of them, and I turned them all into little memes, and then we put them on Twitter, and they just run all day long on Twitter. And these things are really funny. I mean, people really like them. I mean, they're just little things. But everybody in my world, people who know me, I just use a lot of these little things depending on the environment where I am. It's a very cool uh, thing to do. Right. And see, that's smart. And there are probably people out there that have certain things they say that they could use and do something sort of similar to you. And all because he, it caught his attention, wrote it down, gave it to you. Wow. It spurred you on to thinking, hey, I can leverage that. I can put that out there, all that sort of stuff. And, and you don't know who it hits or who may come back to you either. Sometimes, you know, patience pays. Sometimes it doesn't happen right away, but all of a sudden it happens. And it was because they saw a quote, a meme, um, something that caught their attention. You know, I frequently will uh, point out when I hear somebody say something that's uh, buzzworthy, tweetable, a little, a little phrase, I'll point that out to them and say, you got to write that down. That's a really good one. Turn that into something. Because just like a guy told me one time, uh, hey, listen, here's a whole bunch of things I thought you said that were funny or interesting or different. Um, I try to be conscious about that and point out to people, hey, listen, that's a cool thing what you just said. You should write that down. And I'll kind of tell them what my concept of uh, keeping a little notebook is. And because we all have them, I mean, you know, I'll tell you what, like I always think the people from the South have a whole bunch of funny little sayings. They got all these little funny things. I mean, they're funny to me. They're funny to the rest of the uh, country. Uh, they're, they're just, they, they're humorous. They're, uh, they're a lot of times they're nice, but they're all based in truth. And, and they're, you know, that's just what they are. And so uh, I personally like it. I think that's a really good thing. And then when you're doing your interviews, those are the kinds of things that you want to insert because those are the quotes that people are going to pull out. I mean, it's like, oh yeah, that really, that's a really cool idea. What he said there, you know, whatever. So if they're really great, then you call the intellectual property attorney and you trademark them. So. <laughs> <laughs> I know I've done that. I've done that about five times. So you're right. If you know, if you have something trademark it. Yeah. Yeah. 
you never know. You know, you never know where these sort of things go. So yeah, absolutely. Well, Kate, listen, you are uh, you are awesome. You're just a uh, just a a flood house of information. I mean, you just know so much. You've been in this business for a long time. And you know, one of the things that's been very cool, uh, we have a lot of friends in common because you're in the sports business in the Dallas market. I was involved in the sports business in the Dallas market 20 years ago. And uh, we actually had a lot of people in common that we know and we circulate with some of the same people. So uh, it's just been a pleasure to get to know you and to, to do some stuff. So thank you for sharing all this with our audience. We'll put your contact information, uh, you know, in the in the post here with the with the show and, uh, and and people can find Kate if they want her, if they want to talk to her about getting on her show. If somebody wants to be on your show, what are you looking for? I'm looking for them not to be like every other one of the 300 emails I get every day. <laughs> so so, so in, in, in positive frame, in a positive frame, what is right. in, in, a, in a positive frame, the first thing you want to do is get to the point. So make it short and sweet and why you'd be interesting. So who, what, where, when, and why, and in your subject line, tell me that. Um, interview, possibility, uh, 50,000 chickens on the loose, whatever it is, and why you should care. I'm probably gonna laugh and look at that. Whatever it is, something clever that makes sense, and I would, I would open that. Spoken like a true journalist. <laughs> You're Kate right. Delaney, thank you very much for being on the show. Thanks, Joel, I enjoyed it. All right. You've been listening to Profit from the Inside with Joel Block. Strategies to give your business the inside track. For more insights and to learn more, visit joelblock.com. How about a shout out and a giant thanks to my podcast producer, David Wolf, and his team at Podcast and Radio Networks. Profit from the Inside simply wouldn't be what it is without David and his team. For more information or to learn how you can launch and produce your own podcast, reach out to podcastandradio.com. Produced by Audavita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.